Well, there was this woman and the man on a shopping trip one week, and so the man says, I will um, head this way, and um, I'll meet you back here in just a little while. And so the woman said, yes, so that'd be, that'd be fine. And so when he got back, she handed him, she handed her husband a receipt while she had a bag in her hand, and it, the receipt was for $10,000 for a dress. He looked at the receipt and he couldn't hardly believe his eyes. He said, what in the world did you just do? She said, well, there was this dress in the window and Satan was whispering in my ear, just go try it on. Just go try it on. Nothing will be hurt by trying it on. And so she, she said, I did. And then I looked in the mirror and Satan whispered in my ear, you look good. You look good in that dress. The husband said, don't you know what I do when, when Satan's whispering in my ear? I say, Satan, get thee behind me. She said, I did. And he whispered, you look good from behind too. <laughs> my husband approved that joke. It's a Joe Swan approved joke. We're in this sermon series, Repeat After Me, in which the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he begins by saying, say these words, our Father. And we said those words together as a congregation in community just a little while ago. They're known as the Lord's Prayer. These words just may be the set of words spoken more, most often in the history of the world. In fact, those, they're so familiar to us that we sometimes just fly through them without thinking about the meaning of each line and the impact that it has on our own lives. Jesus gives us this pattern. He begins by saying, Our Father, Abba, Daddy, who art in heaven. And then we invite God to do something, to bring kingdom here on earth now, and in that middle of the prayer, we ask God to do something, to provide. Give us our daily bread, our daily strength, our daily grace. Then we ask God to forgive us, to look toward our past, and to forgive us as we forgive others. Pastor Sheila talked about that last week. And then we move to guiding us. Look to our, our future God. Everything we need is found in these petitions. Today we focus on those words that Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, if you remember, Jesus knew what it meant to be tempted, right? Because right after his baptism, as he comes up out of the water in the River Jordan, the scriptures say that at once the Spirit forced Jesus out into the wilderness. At once. The, the saying before is, you are my son whom I dearly love, in you I find happiness. And then verse 13 it says, at once the Spirit forced him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. We can find that in the Gospel of Mark. 
Jesus knew the human experience. The scriptures tell us this. He hungered and thirsted. He was tired. Many times the scriptures will say he went away to a place of solitude. He went away to a place of quiet, to rest, to pray. If you read carefully, you can even hear a little bit of humor that Jesus uses in situations. And he says, the scriptures tell us he wept. So he has experienced everything we experience, and it and he was tempted. Now, the wilderness is not the only place Jesus was tempted, was it? If you think back, right before his crucifixion, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was praying so fervently that drops of blood dripped from his forehead. He was praying. He was saying, God, if this will can be taken from me, now, this place, the Garden of Gethsemane, means everything to me. And, and I've been there three times now. And when you're standing in the garden, you really realize that place in which Jesus chooses us. Because you look one way and you see the golden gates. And if you entered through those gates, he knew what was ahead for him. If you look back just a ways, there was the wilderness. He could have turned the other way and no one would have ever found him but he chooses us so the scriptures teach us that he was tempted he knew that this line in the Lord's prayer was important lead us not into temptation but what deliver us from evil Tim Keller notes that that early Christian theologian St. Augustine makes an important distinction in this part of the petition. Augustine says the prayer is not that we should not be tempted, but that we should not be brought or led into temptation. Temptation's inevitable, right, church? We experience it. However, to enter into temptation, as Jesus termed it, is to entertain and consider the prospect of giving in. To entertain and consider the prospect of giving in. It's when we allow ourselves to think, well, maybe. What if? And then we begin to take those thoughts further. We begin to justify our actions. Well, maybe. What if? It won't be all that bad. People will understand. You, then you see this trajectory that's happening. We, we jump off into the maybes and the what ifs, and then we start to justify our actions. And before long, we've jumped right over into action. And that is where sin takes over and has won the battle. Jesus tells us, say this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Augustine indicates that while this petition is not to be led into temptation, there is also the petition from the remaining evil inside of us and the protection from the evils of the outside world, those malignant forces, those spiritual forces that are found in the world. And we know evil exists, right church? All you have to do is look around. 
All you have to do is watch the news for a little while, and you know that evil exists. We cannot deny that evil forces are at play in the world. In today's reading that Pastor Sheila read to you, Apostle Paul tells us exactly how to do battle. How to do battle when temptation comes our way, how to do battle when evil comes at us. He says, put on God's armor. Put on a specially designed wardrobe. And when you put this on, all the arrows that the devil flings at you can be warded off. Paul tells us to wear to war the things that we may fight to live fully every day. You will notice there are six pieces of equipment that make up this armor. The first five are for defense. And then that last one, it's for offense. It's for victory. So stand with the belt of truth. Justice as your breastplate. Shoes so that are ready to spread the good news of peace. Carry the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and then that offensive weapon, the sword of truth, of spirit. The sword of spirit, which is what? God's word. God's word. We can defend ourselves from the temptations and evils of this world with truth, justice, peace, faith, salvation. And we can be victorious when we live in the sword of the Spirit, when God's Word lives fully in us. We know it in our hearts. We know it in our minds. That's our first response, not our last resort, church. Our first response to live in the truth, to seek justice and resist evil, just as you promised for Nash. To find peace, to stand in faith, to claim our salvation, to take strength from God through God's word. You see, there's some good news and bad news in all this. The bad news is that we're going to be tempted. Evil's going to come into our midst. That's going to happen. But the good news is that we do not have to lean into our own power. That's the good news. Because what does Paul say? He says, be strengthened by the Lord and his powerful strength. This is not something that we can do on our own. This is something that God continues to strengthen us as we move forward. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is all you need. For my power is strongest when you are what? Weak. My power is strongest when you're weak. I'm going to show up, in other words, God says. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you the, the, the spirit that you need to step through it. But here's the thing. We have to lean into that power. We're the ones who have to say, God, I need you. We have to lean and invite God into that power. You know, I think there are some ways that we can do that. I, I once heard a talk by Adam Hamilton. It was um, in response to a couple of staff members that he'd had that had fallen into temptation and they'd had an affair with each other. And in that, they had been removed from ministry. And and Adam Hamilton, he's the pastor of Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City. 
And he was very transparent in all of that. And he talked um, to pastors and friends and, and people in a leadership institute about what it meant to, to resist those temptations that come into our midst. And he came up with five R's. I've adapted these a little bit, but five R's. You should have a card that's there before you that came with your bulletin that talks about these five ways in which we can be victorious in the face of temptation. First of all, remember. Remember who you are. Remember your baptism. That's why I said to, to the Harold family, make sure you tell Nash this story often. Remember who you are, that you are God's child, loved more than you could ever imagine. And then when temptation comes your way, just stop and say, I'm going to remember who I am, that, that God is going to guide me, that God is going to direct me. And pray, God, today may I remember that I am yours. Remember. When I was um, raising our girls, and they were younger teenagers, when they were headed out for the evening with some friends, I would shout out the door, and Joe would too, remember your last name. Why did I do that? Because I said, remember your last name because I wanted them to remember who they were, to not do anything that would not be, that would not be congruent with what we believe as a family named Swans. Remember who you are and remember that your last name is the name above all names, right? You're a Christian, right? You're a follower of disciple of Jesus Christ. You are the one who says, I love you. And as that water was placed on your head as a disciple, God marked you. Remember who you are. The second one, recognize. Recognize the consequences of your actions. Take it to its nth degree. Take it all the way out. When faced with temptation, don't just think about the now or the middle part. Think about all the way to the end. This takes some good question asking. Will I feel better or worse after I do this? Hmm. You know, that belt of truth that Paul was talking about, I think that has a lot to do with that. Are we truthful with ourselves? Or are we lying to ourselves? Because that's what temptation does. We want to justify it, lie to ourselves. So we have to ask ourselves some truthful questions. Who will be hurt by my actions? Will I be proud or ashamed? Will I be more free or enslaved by my actions? Will I break a trust? Recognize the outcome. Now, church, we're tempted in all ways, right? Small and little. This is the same with a cupcake or a cookie, right? As it is with something that happens that's great big temptation. If I take it to the nth degree, I know that cupcake or that cookie is going to make me have, if I continue down that path, it's going to make me have insulin all the way down, if I look all the way down, because that's what the doctors have told me. Take it to the nth degree. Take it to its full outcome and recognize 
recognize. Third one, rededicate. In the face of temptation and evil, we, we are to re rededicate our lives to Christ. That's when you hit your knees. That's when you stop and pray. Now, when you were a kid and they taught you um, if your clothes caught on fire, I don't know if that's any ever happened to us or not, but if your clothes caught on fire, what did they teach you to do? What? Stop, drop, and roll, right? So in the midst of temptation, let's stop, drop, and pray. Stop, drop, and pray. Jesus prayed in every situation, and he teaches us to do the same thing. The problem is that when we're in the midst of it, we often are tempted further to stop praying, right? We don't want to talk to God or Jesus because that's going to put it right here in our face. Stop, drop, and pray. Say, Lord, I need you. I need you now. I need you to show up. Help me. Rededicate. Reveal. That's the fourth one. You know, I believe that's the worst thing that we can absolutely do in the midst of all of that is to bottle something up and keep it a secret. Amen? Find a trusted friend, someone who is on a life journey with you, and an accountability partner, and reveal to them what is going on in your life. Because it takes the power out when the secrecy's gone. When the secrecy is gone, then that power is removed and we can live fully in God's love and God's hope for us. So reveal. Reveal. You know, James said, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then finally, remove. Remove. Remove yourself from the situation. Location, location, location. I always think of King David in this. You see, if King David had been where he was supposed to be, he never would have been tempted. He never would have found himself in a situation that led to lies, deceit, and even murder. You can read this story in 2 Samuel chapter 11 if you want to later on today, but it begins this way. In the spring, when kings go off to war, King David, right? When kings go off to war, David sent Joab along with his servants and all the Israelites, and they destroyed the Ammonites, attacking the city of Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. You see, if he'd been where he was supposed to, instead of on the rooftop, pacing back and forth, bored, he would not have seen Bathsheba from his vantage point, bathing. And that's when King David's what-ifs and maybes jumped off into action, and he lost the battle. If you struggle with alcohol, don't meet friends at the bar. If you're attracted to another person other than your spouse, don't text, don't call. Don't put yourself in that situation. If you don't have money for the dress, don't go to the mall. Location, location, location. Remove. So remember, recognize, rededicate, reveal, remove. Notice that Paul says in verse 12, we aren't fighting against human enemies. Some translations say 
We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Every Christian is in war. Every Christian has to fight. That is why we must defend ourselves by putting on the armor. The belt of truth, the breastplate of justice, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And we have to wield that sword, that sword of the Spirit. My grace is sufficient, right? My grace is sufficient. God will be most powerful when we are weak. There are no deferments, no exemptions, no conscientious objectors in God's army. If you're a Christian, you better get ready to rumble. But we have to remember something. We have to remember who our enemy is. Our enemy is not our brothers and sisters. Our enemy, it says clearly in the scriptures, are the forces of evil. I love the Hunger Games, the movie The Hunger Games. I love all of them. And my favorite line in the movie is, I think, in the third movie. I think I like the Hunger Games because they are written off of the Empire of Rome and has a lot of Christian symbolism and things like that. But my favorite line is that as Katniss has her arrow drawed back, at another that she did not know if she could trust or not. He said to her, Katniss, remember who the enemy is. Remember who the enemy is. And she moved her arrow from him to the dome that encaptured them in the Hunger Games to the force of evil. We have to remember who the enemy is. We're in this together. Remember the language. It's we, us, our. We're a community of faith that we have to pray for each other. And we have to stop, drop, and pray, right? We have to remember our baptism. Remember that we're marked as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Remember who we are. We have to rededicate our lives. We have to remove ourselves from situations. We have to take things to the nth degree and remember what will happen if we do things. God's power works within us. We cannot do this alone. So we do have to stop, drop, and pray. As it says in the scriptures, May these petitions be prayed always in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
pray in the Spirit and pray those petitions all the time, the Scripture says. And I love how the common English Bible says, and hang in there. Hang in there, church. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.